three, two, uno. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this The Legion of Myth weekly live stream, episode 134, presented on the 21st of October 2017. It just feels like it was 1980 just the other day. Alright! Thank you everyone for showing up. I am Alex Garthon Marsh. With me, as always, is the lovely, talented, sensual, Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. Hello, everyone. I have to touch myself now, so don't... No, don't do it! No, don't put it on the screen! <laughs> it's too late now. No, don't look at my shame. I was told earlier that we need to start the cameras earlier, so here I am. <laughs> Following dogma. That's what I do. Hey, hi, Peter Pan. Good to see you, Peter Pan. How you doing? So, Heathen Dog, how was your week? Uh, pretty uneventful, really. I mean... Uh, I had I had some good times in uh, in Star Trek Online, even though the Foundry's down. Uh, they had the upgrade weekend this weekend. Yes, that's still so, going on. I gotta get yeah, me some. So ethics, I was yo. able to experiment with uh, with di different builds and level them up. Sounds good. See how they worked, and uh, I got a new one that I like that I'll talk about later. Ah, cool. All right. Well, what we're actually going to go over this episode is in Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, we're going to talk about World of Darkness, then and now. He's going to be talking about Mage the Ascension first edition. He was going to talk about first and the new edition, but there's just too much. Too much. So it's just no, no, first edition. There's too much different, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk about that during my segment. Too. too buku. All right. I'll start in Garthon's comic poll. We're going to be talking about X-Men Gold, number 14, Batman, number 33, and Superman, number 33. So all the men's. We're going to talk about him. Uh, Peter Pan asks, uh, do you like the live theater? I was never a big LARPer. Uh, I, I did it a couple times. I had a, I had a girl uh, who I was uh, seeing who, uh, who liked to do it. Of course, that's what, you know, guys who aren't really into it get into it for girls. That's what happens. I so I did it a couple times. And it wasn't my, my cup of tea. So. And the RNG, we're going to talk about Secret World Legends. That's right. New game. Well, for us anyway. Well, for us. For us. Yeah. It's a remake of an older game. It's still a good game. But before we do that, let's all be safe, get the huggy position, and talk about the disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or even offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. Yeah. Yeah. As always, if you like this, you can check us out through Twitch, YouTube, Reddit, Facebook. Tweet us at Legion of Myth uh, through Discord, Facebook Messenger, or check out our Steam group at steamcommunity.com. Slash group slash Legion of Myth. And the audio version of this is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play Music. Booyah. You can support us, support the Legion of Myth, and what we do, you can rep our gear like the Heathen Dog and I are doing. Well, uh, uh, my, my, my gear oh, that's right, dirty. you're not. My gear's dirty. That's okay. That's okay. It's because you wear it so much. I do. I wear it a lot. <laughs> um, but you can support us through all these means you see here. We will talk about them more later. 
but through subscription, Patreon subscription, Streamlabs, PayPal Direct, or LOM by getting our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com. You can be cool. Get to try and beat the honeys off you. That's right. Male or it's, female it's honeys. Hard. Whatever honeys you like, they will be attracted. That's Whatever you're into, that, that's, what, that's what this gear amplifies. That's right. So, everyone, now that we've got through that, now that we're all here, we've centered ourselves, we're opening our chakras, and accepting what the universe is bringing us. We are trying to align to build our Arete as we enter Heathen Dog's World of Darkness. Then and now, comparison of 1st and 4th edition. Okay. World well, and thank rules. Thank you very much. And uh, today I'm going to go over uh, just 1st edition mage. The reason being is because unlike 1st uh, edition vampire and 4th edition vampire, which are basically the same, 4th edition ended up being just 1st uh, edition with some sprinkling of 2nd edition in it. And they took uh, first, out all the illegal quotes. Yes, and uh, first edition Mage, and the newest iteration of Mage, Mage of the Awakening, is vastly different. Backstory, current, current, uh, current story, the way magic works, everything completely different. So I couldn't put it into one segment. So today we're doing first edition, and next time, uh, two weeks from now, I'll be doing uh, Mage of the Awakening. Do you know what I love about the cover of the original Mage of the Ascension book? What's that? One is purple. I like purple. Yeah. Two, that the technology that's shown on there is now horribly out of date. Oh, completely, absolutely. That fax machine? Fax machine, CRT computer, with giant yep. keyboard on it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> nice futures. He's, he's got a power glove. Yeah. Well, the power glove's still cool. You can't, you know, can't fight that. <laughs> can't fight the power glove. <laughs> okay, let's look at the particulars of this uh, first edition. The uh, publication date uh, is 1993 from White Wolf Publishing. The uh, designers are Stuart and Stephen Weck, uh, Christopher Early, Bill Bridges, Sam Chup, and Andrew Greenberg. And you can get it, uh, and I have the, uh, the link in the credits, so you'll be able to see that, uh, for $24 for the PDF. Now, again, just like with uh, Vampire First Edition, I didn't, I didn't go to eBay and say, oh, you can get the physical copy of this because it's out of print. I mean, it's going to be wildly different prices, but if you just get the PDF, then you can, you know, narrow in on that on that price range and the one of the best ones i found was 24 dollars, so that's good now uh how it all began now this is where mage and vampire differ vampire has a very rich backstory okay back to cain and abel and continues on from there rich backstory lots of detail whereas mage is the opposite it has very little, very little backstory, very little detail in the in the origin of mages themselves. Uh, what they all tend to agree on is that in the beginning there was the prime. Now, whether it was sentient, whether it was not, nobody knows. Uh, kind of like uh, the one energy being in the universe, and then uh, the Big Bang thing happened, and boom, the universe was created, and prime split himself into sentient creatures called the pure ones again probably made completely of energy and they they uh, controlled all of reality something happened to them they they speculate on a lot of different things something happened to them and they died parts of them fragments of them are born into uh, the now sentient creatures like us and we and we call them avatars every living creature that that is sentient that is self-aware has an avatar inside them and we don't mean like the crazy blue guys no we don't either we don't mean the crazy blue guys Th think of it as your soul 
I mean, that's uh, that, that's basically how how they want to approach it without actually saying it in the book. But it is your soul, and uh, your soul is either awake or asleep. The vast majority of people's souls are asleep. Uh, they have magical they have magical ability, but since their avatars are asleep, they can't actively do anything. Those with avatars who are awake can actively work their will against reality and change it. And uh, since uh, time immemorial, uh, there's always been a certain percentage of, of humans who've been able to do this. Now, they don't really start getting specific in the backstory of Mage until the Middle Ages, or what the or what the mages call the uh, the Mythic Age. The reason being is because in the in the Middle Ages, the mages had had a, had a sweet deal, right? I mean, uh, there there was no central governments. There 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 was no uh, there wasn't a lot of laws. There wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of uh, reason around. I mean. Uh, everyone had a, their own little idea of what the stars were or what uh, what lived in the dark, what made that sound at night. It's a demon. It's a it's a three headed owl. It's a it's a it's a four headed monster. You know, everyone had their own idea. This made reality very fluid. So reality became subjective so much so that if you traveled 100 miles, people would believe that sound in the dark was something completely different than than where you started from. Which makes a lot of right. sense considering the actual historical thought at the time. Right. Exactly. Uh, just because things were so localized, information traveled so slowly. Exactly. Yes. That so that would you be could the act. Case. A, a mage could could search around a, a given continent fairly quickly because he can use magic to travel and uh, find a place that suits him. You know, where, where the superstitions, yeah, I can work with that because mages work uh, work reality much more easily if they can do it in a in a way where people will believe it. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go into that uh, more uh, with more in depth later on. But uh, because of all the all these different regional ideas of what basically reality was, with things that were real and things weren't changed if you, like I said, moved 100 miles away. Uh, different schools of thought of, of mages uh, grew. They were influenced by the environment around them, so they grew up with the superstitions of the humans around them because they were also human. And it influenced how they think about their magic. And this this created different traditions of mages, ones that believe that, that God gave them this power, ones that believe that their power comes from nature. It all depends on where they grew up. And then they get like-minded mages together, and they, they form their little cabal. Which is great. It's fine. Uh, it's good to have friends. Yeah. Toward the end of the Mythic Age, which was the, the Middle Ages, the, the, the more specifically the Dark Ages, a new faction came into being. People who thought that mankind was in trouble because there was no separation between uh, the physical world and the spiritual world. Uh, spirits and fey creatures could come and go as they pleased. And their uh, mythical creatures could run around rampant because magic was just flowing in between the, the spiritual realm and the physical realm and the realm of that mythic creatures come from. And they decided they wanted to put a stop to this. They wanted to save people from these things they obviously can't do anything about. I mean, if, uh, if a three-headed fire-breathing dog came, came to your village and you didn't have a mage there, yeah, you're kind your of village is raised. It's dead. Everyone's going to die. They're going to be puppy chopped. That's it. Well, 
the order of reason, which they called themselves at this time, wanted to put a stop to that. So they jump started and basically created the Renaissance, where yeah. you know, art and science and mathematics was now king. Superstition was slowly pushed to the wayside. And the order of reason made people believe that, yes, uh, all of this can be explained here. Here are the numbers. Here's the proof. Here's the thing. Now, th what this did was it started to solidify reality. Now, people of across vast distances now believed in the same thing. And none of it was three-headed fire-breathing dogs. So three-headed fire-breathing dogs had a harder and harder time existing in our world until it came to the point where uh, science wins the day. And that's where we bring to, that's where we get to the current day, the current day mages. Now, the separation of the supernatural and the, the mundane. The order of reason succeeded in sealing off the, the astral and ethereal and pretty much all the other realms from from the, the material plane by making everyone believe it didn't exist huh. that's it it's all you need so they, they created a unification of reality reality under one banner science and technology now over the years the you know the hundreds of years they kind of went nutty with it all right they started calling us calling themselves the technocracy and now they don't want to just help mankind they want to control mankind for the, for their own benefit you know for, for to help them yeah yeah to help them now they don't even believe that themselves anymore <laughs> you know that you know for a while they were fooling themselves now they're just you know what's great we're in power we want to stay that way there you go and all of all of the other mages, the the celestial chorus, the ones the ones who believe that that God gives them magic, the the verbena, the one the ones who believe that nature gives them their magic, they're all pushed to the literal fringes of society because that's where their magic now works. And that's what sparked the ascension war. the The idea of ascension is a mage can can get enough knowledge and enlightenment to ascend to a higher plane of existence and he has the ability to bring other people with him as well. So originally, the, the the traditional mages all had their own idea of how to raise humanity up. At the very least, make everyone awake. At the very most, have everyone ascend to a higher plane of existence. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, the technocracy wants this too, but they want that rigid control. They're going to do it through science, through technology. The, the idea of a Star Trek utopian future is like touch yourself fuel for them. They want the future to be like that. They're trying to, to gear it toward that, where everyone is happy, Earth is a great utopia, science and technology win the day, they can perform miracles. So there's no those primitive magic peoples around and they're crazy rule bending. Yes, yeah, none of that primitive fireball crap. No, no, you want to throw a fireball, you have to do it within reality. Photon torpedo. These yes, are the rules. There you go. There you go. And that's what takes me to what what is called the paradigm. Okay, we're going to talk about reality and magic now. Now, the consensus. The consensus is what most people in the world believe reality is like. Now, like I said, uh, during the Renaissance, the order of reason, now the technocracy, hijacked the consensus to make it to what they wanted. So what they did was they, they made everyone believe that magic doesn't exist, but science can perform miracles like magic. 
even though that all of the all of the mages they're, they're still they're still doing magic all of the technocratic mages they're still doing magic but they have a veil of science over it so people buy it so so reality allows it to happen much more easily because people understand that 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 doohickey that all the blinking lights and the and the weird antenna that move up and down can actually sense people from two miles away they're like oh wow that's just a, that's some new tech that's great it must be hooked up to a satellite or something and then bluetooth it works. has bluetooth it has bluetooth whatever yeah, exactly right now uh this this makes reality a majority rule now the way it is now though the majority rule is actually ruled by the minority which is the technocracy they like i said hijacked reality created this this rigid system that they actually control so they control what everyone believes everything works like it's great now this this created two kinds of magic coincidental and vulgar i like to call coincidental consensual magic the reason being is coincidental magic is something that you trick reality into letting pass just let it pass by it like it could happen it really could happen let let's say you're at a you're at a corner and you want to use magic to uh, a street corner like an intersection and there's a car going by the intersection you want to use magic to pop that car's tire. You use magic to pop that car's tire. That tire pops. That is consensual or coincidental magic because that could happen. I mean, that's definitely happened. It's happened to everybody. Your tire just pops, sometimes for just no reason. Just pops. Now, if every car going to intersection, you pop every tire on every car going to intersection, that's when it gets weird. People are going to start going, that, that's not right. They're going to look around for reasons why and they can't find one that's vulgar that's going against what could actually happen in the current form of reality now technocratic mages get around this they shoot fireballs all the time but they have fireball techno bazookas that they shoot them with so reality gives them a pass because they they have uh they they have set up people's unconscious uh idea of reality to understand that that is possible. That is a thing. I mean, you've, you've seen Mythbusters. They've had fire cannons on that thing before. I buy it. And this one looks, looks super high tech, so that's probably even better. Now, throwing a fireball out of your hand like a, like a wizard of old? Nope. Spank. Cannot happen in reality. Not our current reality. Can't happen at all. You get hit. Now, what do you get hit with? You get hit with paradox. Paradox is reality pushing back. You do something that is flagrantly stupid, like uh, you increase your size to 20 feet just by snapping your fingers. Can't happen. Can't happen in reality. Completely vulgar. Reality pushes back by giving you paradox. Paradox comes in, uh, in uh, several forms. One of them is paradox points. You can actually absorb paradox in your body to a certain point to stave off its effects. But after a while, those points are going to build up and they're going to pop. And the only way to get rid of them without them exploding is to have paradox effects. You're taking uh, a spanking by reality and, uh, and you're, you're draining off your paradox points to do so. For example, if you remember in our, in our campaign we did, we did uh, 20 years ago, uh, our, our friend Bob, he, uh, he accumulated quite a bit of paradox. I don't remember how. But uh, he decided to bleed off this paradox slowly as paradox effects. Well, one of the effects was 
his alimentary track was reversed. So instead of eating through his mouth and defecating through his other end, that whole mechanism was now reversed for a period of time. So he had to eat through his butt. It was and not pleasant. His mouth. It was not pretty. Uh, Garthon's character walked in on this. And, and we uh, decided. We also decided never to speak. We both decided never speak of it again. Never, never talk about it again. Both no characters never. It. It's like what happened? Nothing happened. No, he, nothing. I didn't see anything. Nothing he, happened. He was having a difficult number two. Yep, that's it. But stuff like that, or your your, well, your fingernails the, grow. I remember, you remember the book is the like minute. you don't have a shadow. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's if it's a little bit of paradox points, you get little tiny things like. And so people are like, "What's wrong with that guy?" Yeah, it's like people think you're like a little weird. Or your eyes change color, maybe. But if you bleed off a lot of points, then you get the weird crap like like Bob had. Now, also, you can get reality decides you they it has had enough of you, and it sends a paradox spirit after you. Yeah, it's right, this sad is a, that happens. This is a a gathering of paradox energy that is sentient, that is focused only on you to punish you for messing with reality. And it will go and punish you to, to the extent of your transgression and then dissipate back into the universe. But at least your paradox is gone after that. Yeah, your paradox is gone, though. So, hey, but usually it's live. bad. Usually, <laughs> yeah, if you live, usually it's bad, just super bad, super bad. So we've talked about the consensus. We've talk, talked about the, the, the uh, paradigm. We've talked about uh, the two different kinds of magic two different classifications of magic and what happens when reality spanks back. Let's talk about magic itself. All right. Magic itself comes in nine flavors. Current day magic comes in nine flavors. Uh, this is prime mind spirit. The, the physical forces forces, matter, life time correspondence. Correspondence is the uh, apparent distance between all things in the universe. And entropy, the uh, the decay of all things that now live or exist, eventually will turn back to dust. Now, uh, each of these is called a sphere, and you get points in these spheres. The more points you have, the more ability you have to manipulate this aspect of reality. Now, the one thing they all have in common is uh, the, the point level and what you can do with them. With one point, you can sense or see that aspect of reality. For example, if you have one point in forces, you can see radio waves. You can see electrical current flowing inside walls. If you have one point in correspondence, you have 360 degree vision. You can close your eyes and get a and, and get an image of everything directly around you. Kind of like a radar image, but radar would be forces. So that's not like just so you have a you have a sense of everything that exists in your in your area. Now two two dots in something, you can manipulate that aspect of reality. You can't create or destroy or augment, but whatever energy is already there, you can manipulate it. For example, with forces one, you can see the electricity in the in the circuitry in the wall. With forces two, you can move that energy, all of it, to a single outlet to cause whatever's plugged in the outlet outlet to blow. Pop. Or you could see radio waves or Wi-Fi signals, and then you with two, you could block the things. signals. You could change the information in a Wi-Fi signal or a radio wave. You can you can alter it a bit. You can, you can bend it. You can make it go left, go right. You can make, you can make sure that the tower doesn't receive it, all that stuff. If you have life of two, you can, uh, life of one is, is a, like a life sense. You, you can, you can sense somebody who's living around you. You can, you can assess them like a, like a tricorder. 
You can assess their level if they have any diseases, any sicknesses. Uh, two is uh, not quite augment, but uh, you, you can, uh, for simple organisms like uh, single cell organisms, like bacteria or, or even viruses, you can, you can manipulate them. Uh, three, life of three, you can actually heal or harm more complex organisms like animals and people. Like if you, if you get hurt, you can use life three to heal that damage, to rapidly increase your cell growth, to fix that damage. If you have say, uh, forces of three, you can now create small amounts of energy. Now the creation of anything requires a tandem. It requires two spheres, prime one and whatever, whatever you're trying to do. For example, if you're trying to create, create a static charge out of nothing, you need prime one and forces three. The prime uh, sphere is the sphere that deals with the fundamental building blocks of all things that exist, be it matter, energy, whatever. The idea behind this is beneath the atomic structure, beneath the quantum structure, beneath that, and then beneath that is prime, is the building block of reality itself. You need at least one point in that to be able to sense it, and then you can draw on that to create your effect. So then you can use your forces three to create that little, that spark of energy out of nothing. You can use forces three to light a fire with no matches, just snap your fingers and boof, light a fire. Four is changing the nature of something. For example, if, uh, if you had a life of four, you could alter on, on a, an existing uh, life form to give it different traits. Let's say you have a bunny and you want to give the bunny uh, vampire teeth. I was going to say antlers. Antlers, vampire teeth, and wings. You can do that with life four. Uh, forces four, you can create uh, exotic energy, like radiation, all kinds of radiation, stuff like that. With, uh, with correspondence four, you can create gateways, like uh, tiny uh, wormholes, to connect two points in space to each other. So you walk through this that you place and then you step out in some place completely different, other side of the planet, maybe another planet. You could do that. With five points in a dot, you have complete mastery of that aspect of reality. With five points in time, uh, you can actually skip, skip parts in time. You can go forward in time. Going backward in time is not possible. Every matrix tried it has been shredded to death so don't do that don't do that but uh you you can you can control the flow of time uh going forward you can stop it completely you can speed it up in an area in just a person you could skip time by just i want to stop existing now and start existing five minutes from now and then five minutes from now you just reappear there if you have a, a spirit of five you can you can bind spirits to objects to create fetishes or focuses you, you can uh uh, you can create your own spirit, gather spiritual energy, and uh, with with a mind of two and a prime of one, also working in tandem, you can create a an animal-like consciousness to do your bidding. Pretty cool. That, yeah, it's made out of a complete spirit, spirit energy. It's great. Now, the greatest part of this of this magical system was the complete freedom it gave for the players. It it gave you. Uh, it gave you general levels of what you can do. And then if you wanted to create your own rote or spell effect, 
you can mix and match different uh, different levels of, of different spheres to create wildly different effects. For example, uh, Garthon, mm -hmm. go ahead and uh, give me some kind of effect, uh, some some magical spell, D and D spell, uh, and or or any like levitating a car or whatever, and I'll try and tell you what what spheres and what ranks you need in each one to do it. All right, let's say I want a spell, so I never hit green, so I never hit red lights while driving to work. Okay, you want a spell to never hit red lights, always be green, drive to work. Okay, you are going to need forces two. You're going to need correspondence two. And you are going to need entropy two. The reason being, entropy two allows you to manipulate random chance to make something more or less in your or somebody else's favor. Makes sense. Forces two. To, uh, to physically affect the light, to change it from red, yellow to green, and correspondence to get a wider area of view of your route so you know exactly which lights need to be affected by this power. If you have two, two, and two, two dots and all those three, you can do the I'm, I'm always going to hit green lights magic. Very nice. All time. Let's see. Uh, who who do we have? Uh, who do we have with us today? We have many uh, people with us today. Chat. We have Pax Federatica, Algarians here, Duncan Idaho's here. Uh, one one of, you, one of you guys, go ahead and uh, give me a, a magical effect from a video game, from a a book you read, a movie you saw, and I will most likely be able to recreate it <laughs> using using uh, one or more of these of these spheres of. It sounds magic. like a magic trick itself. Yes. I blindfolded. Tell me this effect, and I shall duplicate it. You can always say, uh, "What if you wanted to reproduce, let's Bigby's uh, floating hand, or Bigby's hand from uh, Dungeons and Dragons?" Big okay, hand. actually, pa Pax Federatica. Uh, Duncan Idaho went dark, and went necromancy. Necromancy. Elgar says he wants uh, to be young again. Is, uh, Why? Ra ra raising the dead into a, into a zombie-like thing? Not a problem. Can be done. What about Petrificus Totalis? Which is? Eh, hold person. Hold person? Okay. Or flesh to and, stone, depending and how And wish to become young again. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll, do ne I'll do necromancy, then I'll do flesh to stone, then I will do uh, do bring, being young again. Now, uh, necromancy. You want to, you wanna, let's say, move one spirit into the into a dead body to inhabit that body and bring it bring it back to life can be done let's see that's right you need uh enter no you need spirit three to be able to uh to alter the spirit to graft it to a new body you need spirit two to be able to manipulate spirit and move it but if you have three you already have two so you're good to go you need life three to uh, life three and prime one to reanimate the, the the dead body to give it the spark of life again. That plus the soul is going to make it live again with with a new soul. Now, if you if you want uh, if you want to, the consciousness to come with it, you also need mind two to 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 move a consciousness of a spirit into the brain of that new body. And Bob's your uncle. You're now a necromancer. If you want to create zombies, well, that's a lot easier. That is uh, Spirit 3, uh, Life 3, Prime 1, and yeah, that's it. Uh, you, you, uh, you, create, you create a spirit, spirit out of spirit energy, 
shove it into the body, re-spark it, and you don't need to bring the brain because the spirit has its own has its own uh, animal intelligence. And boom, there's your zombie. Pickety bam. Very nice. Now let's let's go to turning someone to stone. Easy enough. Uh, you need uh, life four. Uh, and you yeah life four and prime one, and you could actually make their own body calcify itself. Well, couldn't you do it with matter as well? No, because uh, matter does not work on living things. You need mm. life to affect a living thing. Mm. You need life, and they actually have diseases like that in in the current world. Uh, you remember the the guy who who uh, who got uh, who was growing like scales all over his body? Yeah. And there's there's also a disease that every time you take damage, when you heal it, your body your body calcifies it. So your body can do that anyway. You just use your life four and prime one to to alter to alter the the functions of the body to instantly calcify it. Now you have to use prime one because you have to shove energy into it to make it instantly happen. But there you go. You you have, you have now cal- completely calcified a living being. He's probably going to die from it, but hey, but hey, you can use matter on him. Now, what's the next one? Uh, become young again. That one is straight up life. Straight up life. You you can actually uh, uh, age in reverse basically using using life magic now this is highly vulgar as a, as opposed to the other crap i said <laughs> this is this is highly vulgar there because people know that there is no uh Fountain there of is youth. no science that can that can make people young again not yet <laughs> anyway they believe it's possible in the future but not now so reality is going to smack you for this but you it can easily be done you're just uh you're using life uh either three or four to to rewind the body clock, relengthen could, telomeres. Could you get, could you avoid entropy? Let's say that you move to a new place, and while you're on your way there in like your private jet, that you're flying. You do it to yourself, and then you go someplace where they've never seen you before. Okay, now that that brings us to the uh, what I didn't uh, I didn't uh, uh, touch on earlier. There's two types of vulgar magic. There's vulgar without witnesses and vulgar with witnesses. Vulgar without witnesses is what you're talking about. You do something that is against reality, but no one saw you do it. But reality still knows. But reality knows you did it, so it smacks you. Now, if you if you do the same thing... Yeah, like Gary's saying to fake your death and start over, that's the same thing. You just Yeah, it's just without witnesses. Right. All right, so you're going to get smacked, but not as hard. So... You uh, let, 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 let's say you snap your fingers and you rewind your personal time clock 20 years. But a sleeper saw you and he went, oh, what the what? Now that's vulgar with witnesses and reality smacks you even harder because someone threw up a red flag. Right. It's even more. That would be very bad for you. Paradox energy for that one. Yeah, the witnesses clause gets everyone every time. That's how it works. What if you prefaced it with, "Oh, it is time to take off my old man makeup." <laughs> that might work. It might work a little bit. Work, you're still gonna it, get it, some paradox for that. Yeah, so. yeah, you're still gonna get something, but uh, it, it will take away the with witnesses thing if they believe it. Yeah, like, like if you're walking out of the back of a theater and you say it, they'll believe it more than if you're walking out of an airport. Exactly, exactly right. And uh, this is why this is why some celestial chorus mages uh, create mega churches because faith healing is a thing if everyone around you believes you can do it. 
even though thousands of people are watching you take a tumor out of this guy, it's vulgar, but it's not vulgar with witnesses believe it. because no one threw up a red flag. Because they believe Jesus. you have the power to do that. Or to make someone walk. You know, yeah. cure cure his polio. Oh, you're hitting him with your jacket. The chair and stuff. He walks again. People have seen that happen. The faithful believe you can do that. There's no witnesses for that vulgar act. None at all. Even though literally in a room of thousands, there's no witnesses. Yeah, literally thousands, as far as reality concerned, no witnesses. <laughs> Doug Knight says the key is to keep a gullible idiot with you at all times. Well, that's what I do. That's why well, I mean, the, he and Doc the, do this. Yeah, the the people who believe you can do that have to outnumber the people who don't believe you can do that to to take away the witnesses. So just one gullible idiot's probably gonna do it. You're gonna need a giant entourage of gullible <laughs> fools who think you're a walking god who can literally do anything because then they completely believe it. Then, then you got a little, little reality armor, you know, but up, uh, up until that point, you're, you're probably you're a little trouble. Be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta be a little careful on that one. But uh, that, that brings us to, uh, to the end of the, the first edition. Now I didn't get into a lot of stuff. Like I didn't really delve into the traditions, uh, how they view magic. You didn't how, even how the mention the traditions. You know, I did. I did. I mentioned Celestial Chorus and Verbena as as two examples of the of the traditions that popped up during the Mythic Age. Yeah, but they're late. But, yeah, I know. But I didn't really go into them because <laughs> there's literally no time. I mean, I've hit a half an hour already. You got so there, there. There was no yeah. time. There is so much in this book that a half an hour cannot do it justice. Well, that's because we spent so, 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 so much time speaking about the magic system, but the magic system is so. The flexibility of the magic system in this oh, yeah. game is half of what scares players away. Because especially if you have a yes. bad game master, they have no idea of what to do with it. Because there's no spells, really. It's just, well, I did this. Can I do that? I guess. I don't know. Yes, that, that is the rub of, uh, of great gameplay. That's the rub complexity. of freedom. What yes, do you that's, do with that's it? the rub of freedom. The, the game master has to be able to adjudicate all of this. That means he has to know magic inside and out. He has to know it forward backward and all other ways to to be able to adjudicate properly yes you can do that or no you actually need these number of dots and these spheres for that effect to pull off now there is a way there's multiple ways to do the same effect multiple ways uh, for example if you want to create a static shock touch someone and and shock somebody you can use uh you can use for a uh, prime one and forces three to create that static shock you can use life magic to momentarily increase your uh, your body's natural electrical output to do the same thing. Uh, like I said, there are a whole bunch of ways, a whole bunch of ways to do the exact same thing. You could use so mind to make him think he feels a static shock. Yes, you can. You can. You can use mind so where you didn't actually. He feel. He feels the shock that didn't happen, but it did in his head. He felt the pain, and his body reacted to it. It's, it's the same thing as as having a shock. I mean, if it quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's a duck, right? So if, if you make a perfect illusion that someone got shocked, they got shocked. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that that's why I couldn't get into all of the eccentricities of this game. There was literally not enough time. New spell request. Blight my poor teammates in this game of Titanfall with the weird butt stuff. <laughs> well, you have to get them on the second date then. Yeah, you got. Yeah, you did at least date two or three <laughs> to get close enough. <laughs> what was that song that Captain Hammer saying? He might sleep with the same girl twice. There you go. That's when you get to do the weird. Because they do the weird stuff. <laughs> <that's right. laughs> we do the weird stuff. 
All right. Thank you very much, Heathen Dog, for this summary, uh, this brief, incomplete summary. Oh, ouch. <laughs> it had to be. You only had 30 minutes. What are you going to do? <laughs> but I think we got the impression across. It's a really interesting system when you play it. Uh, but Very impressive, yes. It also depends a lot on your play group. If your play group uh, would much rather have everything spelled out, it's not going to work out well. No, no. Then go to AD&D. There you go. Yeah, or Palladium. Palladium spells Palladium. things out. Yeah, Palladium works out well, too. Yes, yeah. All right. So if you want more Heathen Dogma, and I know you do, you can check Heathen Dog out on YouTube. Uh, his past videos of animated RPG segments, team-ups with Star Trek Online, and currently teaming up with the Secret World Legends with that Garthon guy. Uh, past streams of Star Trek Online with Buck Fast McCool, who's making a return to play the new missions. Yes, uh, Star- and uh, he, not only that, but uh, every week, now that I've played all the, all the new stuff, I'm now taking uh, episode requests from anyone online at the time. So if you want to uh, see an episode, you want to see how I run it, you want to see how the, how the McCool would do it, then... Get get on there at noon, and uh, get up on that thing. Shall be done. Yes, Elgary says he was a great system. You got to play it once. Mm-hmm. All right, I agree. Now, if you're playing it once, it's probably true, but it is a great system. Uh, so also, uh, you can check out his playthroughs of Amnesia: The Dark Descent and Amnesia: A Machine for Pigs. Ugh. I thought I had a clever pun there, but I forgot it. No, you didn't have it. I, I liked it, and thanks, Baldahar, for uh, for gifting it to us. Really yes, thanks, it. Baldahar, very much. Uh, Dr. Sent and Machine, Machine for Pigs was fun to play. I had a good time doing it, unlike the other two. <laughs> well, I didn't mention the game that should not be mentioned. Ugh. I just skipped over it in the list. You should take it off the list. No, I had to put it on a list because it's there on YouTube. If you want to watch me rage quit a game, look at the... <laughs> if you want to watch someone's soul die... Watch Darkest Dungeon. Bye, Just man. the last two episodes of Heathen Dog playing Darkest Dungeon, Ugh. and you get the full effect of his rise and fall. It's really great. Because he starts out hopeless, and he gets full of hope. He's crushed. I think his last episode, he starts getting hopeful, and then it just is destroyed. And then he just sits there staring at the screen, and they quit. It's, it's beautiful. I'm not okay. laughing. It's, not beautiful. it's beautiful. All right, um, and also you can check out his streams Monday and Thursday at 12 noon Central. Thank you, Heathen Dog. You're welcome. All right, and now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to watch something else. We are going to speak about... Garthon's comic poll. Garthon buys comics. Garthon read comic. Garthon tell you what Garthon think of comic. You can impress the ladies with your own comic book opinions cribbed directly from here. And they'll be different than what you get at other comic book sites, because those guys are suckers. <laughs> They're bums. Well, you know, sometimes I'll go and I'll look, like, man, I don't think I, I think I love this book, and I'll read other sites, or, oh, I hate this book, and I'll read other, I'll see what other general reviews are, and sometimes people will be like, this is the best book ever! And I'll read it like, you must have read a different book. This artist is wonderful! No, this artist is a fourth grader with crayons and ascension deficit disorder. No! And, you know, so... I wonder about people sometimes. But from Garthon. Duncan Hyde says Darkest Dungeon was... <laughs> Baldhar and Duncan Hyde agree yeah. <laughs> with my assessment of Darkest Dungeon. The last two episodes were great. And Darkest Dungeon was artful soul-crushing. It was. It wasn't brutal. It wasn't direct. <laughs> I'm sorry, Heathen Dog. Let's talk about <laughs> X-Men Gold because it's obviously awesome. It is not. Oh, dang it. Oh, wait. No, no. I forgot. I forgot. Got, uh, uh, oh today. no! Yeah, today I have uh, 
lemon vodka. Oh boy. Yeah, we're gonna have some lemon. Yeah, the vodka. orange vodka worked out so well for you. Can't screw up lemon. They screwed <laughs> up. Uh, they screwed up strawberry. You know, lemon is also used for furniture cleaner. Just, just saying. It. It smells like furniture. <laughs> it smells like furniture cleaner. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Crap. Why'd you have to say that? Because I love you. <laughs> but it tastes great, right? Mellow. Actually, it's not bad. Oh, it's good. not bad. It's a little sweet and a little tart. Ah. It's it's like a it's like a, a country time lemonade with a whole bunch of vodka in it. That's not bad. No, that's not bad. I'm it okay smells with that. it smells like pledge. Granted. <laughs> Granted, it smells like pledge. But, but tastes uh, better. Better than pledge, so we're good. All right. Uh, we're gonna talk about X Men Gold number fourteen, part three of Mojo Worldwide. Uh, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Mark Lamming. Might be Lamming, I don't know. Uh, colors by Rain Burrito, and cover by Dan Maria and Carlos Cabrera. So the art on the cover, it's okay. Eh, yeah, it's not bad. It's it's a little it's a little simplistic. I mean, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at Magneto and his physique, and I'm like, uh, his shoulders are a little weirdly. Maybe it's the light. Uh, well, but... that's because he's wearing metal armor and he's trying to pump himself up okay. to make him look better. Because really, the guy's in his 60s. He he doesn't have that form. But he uses his powers to like manipulate it so it looks like he's buff. Oh, okay, yeah, he, he can he can turn metal into like a liquid type state all the time. Yeah, well, he's just so he has metal costume, like just forms muscles, it. Right. Yeah, because basically, it. as soon as he's done fighting the X Men, he walks home. It's like, oof, just Paul falls out. <laughs> oh god! Out he's like, oi, vey, these X Men always with the fighting. <laughs> he's Jewish, you know. How come he never talks like that? That'd be the best. He's always, you know, yes, X-Men, you will listen to me. He's never like, oi, this Hitler. He he, I never liked him. Never liked him. I was in the camp. It was terrible. He was a bum. He was a bum. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, everyone hates me now. Anyway, so let's talk about this book. All right, it's part three of the Mojo Worldwide. Uh, basically, Mojo has captured the X-Men through nefarious means. And he is broadcasting what he's doing to them. <laughs> so, I saw your comment. He's dog made me laugh. I'm sorry. You hit hard there. You heard yeah, it here. Hitler was a bum. A bum! These people, they wear the red-brown shirts, and they're going around. Ah! Bad tippers. Anyway, the... So, Mojo captured all the X-Men from the... Uh, from gold team, blue team, chartreuse team, whatever they got. Captured them all. So, and then he goes, and he broadcasts what he's doing to them on every TV in the world. For free. It's even streaming. He got it all. He's really? trying to get those views. He got those views. He got that, those sponsors back in. those likes. That's right. He needs those <laughs> likes. He lives on those. Um, now, so not only Mojo World, but everyone's seeing this. And what he's doing is he's putting the X-Men teams against things. I'm not repeating that, Duncan. Um, against. Wait, 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 wait. Did did he do weird butt stuff to them? Not that I know of. Oh, okay. All right, good. But basically, it's like putting them in Genosha. He's putting them up against uh, the Extinction Agenda. Putting them up against the Brood. Basically, like all their greatest hits, right? Um. While this is going on, some of the X-Men are interacting. They're having, like, moments. And here's the thing. The scenes are switching so rapidly 
Like, there's some clever dialogue, but the scenes are switching so rapidly. Okay, now they're in the brood. Now they're fighting Sentinels. And now they're fighting the Avengers. You know. And it switches so fast, you never get a chance to get your footing. And there's never a chance to tell a cohesive story. And the way they keep switching through their costumes, because he's putting them in period uh, appropriate costumes. costumes. You know, like, oh, this was the 90s. Now they're their 90s costumes. And sometimes you have some characters who, if they weren't in that time, like right now in the X-Men, you have three Jean Greys. Well, you have two Jean Greys and a Rachel Gray. You have three Phoenixes. Mm-hmm. So that's really annoying because they all look really similar because they all have very similar haircuts right now. And so as a switch, you're like, wait, is that is she's talking to herself or is that the older? And the artist is, does not do a great job on this issue of differentiating them enough. I see. Um, so it just gets really confusing what's going on. It's interesting, but it's interesting and like it's flashes of images and there's so much stuff and it's all craziness and they're trying you're they're trying to get a foothold with doctors say you know like at one time like oh we can't be fighting Magneto and they're like what do you mean we can't be fighting he's, he's a bad guy well well we you're teaming up with Magneto yes we're teaming up with him I'm like well are you teaming up with him right now in your book. Or do you mean that in this timeline you were? Or because that's not the real Magneto. What do you? Ah, it's all over the place. There's no clear explanations of things. And then, like the X Men who die, you're kind of like, oh my god, they killed this guy. You know, he's not really going to kill these people. And then they end up in like a green room or something together. Um, so it just is kind of a mess. The art is pretty good. It's not great. It definitely does the job. Um, it's not bad. Uh, it finishes with them all together going up against what appear to be Apocalypse's horsemen and a sentinel. Wait, even, with... even Angel? No, different different ones. There's oh, been different s- horsemen. Okay. There, uh, there, I think that last count there were 17 and four horsemen. Really? So, yeah. Man. But it shows wait, them... All... Wait, wait. Currently or through all different timelines? Through all different timelines. There's always okay. four at a time, but who those four are changes. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. Wolverine was a horseman for a while. Yeah. He was death. Hmm. Um, but at the end, it has all the X-Men teamed up. They're together, and they have to fight. It shows them up against... That's the page where that's all you get. Uh, you see the horseman. You see the brood. You see the strife. And you also see a sentinel who apparently has the phoenix force, judging by the big phoenix emblem and the red and gold color stream and the fire. Wow, so that sounds great. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, the other thing. Yeah, it just, that that part, I saw the giant sentinel, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It absorbed the Phoenix force, I guess. But it couldn't really, because it's all Mojoverse. He's just making stuff up. If you think in the context, this is Mojoverse, and, like, Mojo's writers went, what are the kids like? Well, the kids like the Phoenix. They like giant robots. What is a giant robot? Had the Phoenix force. Yes, yes, put it in there. You know, so- I'll, I'll buy that, because Mojo's insane. And his writers are insane. As that makes that makes sense. My issue is everything jumps too much. And it jumps between all these different teams. And all these teams are actually cut. It's not just gold and blue team. They're all cut into subsets of each other. And sometimes they're mixing team members. Mm. And so it's all over the place. And it's hard to get a cohesive story out of it. Um, Guggenheim doesn't really pull it off to me in this issue. The overall idea, I think, is still solid. I just think they're rushing it for some reason. It feels very rushed. 
You never get a good handle on what's going on. You never get the time to enjoy. Like, oh, yeah, I loved that part when they were fighting the uh, the Goblin Queen. You get, like, two panels. Poof. Somewhere else. So you, you never get the feel of it. And uh, so I just not in love with the book. The art, like I said, is above average. It works. It's a little busy, but it is because of the writing, I think. There's so much stupid stuff going on. Uh, there, but like I said, it is confusing, though, telling who's who a lot of the time because their costumes are switching so dang much. And unless you're a real X-Men fanboy, you don't know all these costumes. I've been reading X-Men on and off since the 80s. But even I don't know all the costumes. I don't have them all locked in my brain. You know? There's too many. I know, I know Cyclops always has the face shield. Except in Extinction Agenda where Cannonball had one for like two issues. Was that Extinction Agenda? That was with the Goblin Queen and stuff. Anyway. Just so. And Cannonball's not in here either. Uh, so overall, for a rating, I can't rate it too high. I'm going to call this a dead average comic at two and a half. Okay. The writing's too confusing. It jumps around way too much. It's not bad. It's just not good. Um, and unless you're getting every other tie-in with this series, you will be totally lost. So because of that, it's only two and a half stars to me. Okay. Next book. Batman number 33. Written by Tom King. Artist is uh, Yoel Jones. Or Joel Jones. Whatever. Uh, colors, uh, Jordi Belair. And the cover is by Joel Jones. Now, look at the quality of that art of that cover. That's the best it gets. Aw, that's too bad. Uh, the last artist... All right, well, first let's talk about the writing. Tom King, what I've noticed ever since he's taken over Batman, what he loves to do, other than have Batman stare at his, stare at his navel and talk about how sad he is and his feelings... I love saying that. He's just, oh, you don't understand. Also, he keeps calling Catwoman Cat all the time. Not Selina, but Cat. And she's always calling him Bat. It's really freaking stupid. People don't talk to each other that way. I Maybe it's that they're cute lovey-dovey pet names, but I'm having problems with that. You know, it's like, I love you, Cat. I love you too, Bat. All the time. All the time. It's their version of Sweetie and Honey Bear. Shut up. Ah, it's terrible, though. Can you give me that water, cat, when you're done torturing that guy with the whip? Because since we're engaged, it's cool you're torturing someone. Okay, bad. Hee-hee. Anyway. But he seems to... Tom King seems to really enjoy writing arcs. Like this... Like he had the... Uh, uh, what's it? A Gotham Man. <laughs> Um, Gar. So anyway, the uh, he likes to write arcs. Like he wrote the uh, the Gotham arc, then he wrote the War of Jokes and Riddles arc, and now he's writing the Rules of Engagement arc. So he doesn't really like write continuous stories. They're like arc, 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 loosely linked together, which I don't like. It works in some ways, but I prefer a more natural feel of a continuous storyline. Um, also, I don't really find his writing of Batman enjoyable. I don't find Batman to be a sympathetic character under his writing. 
Um, Snyder and Capullo always made Batman relatable. He was dark, but he always had an inner core of hope that we're making things better. You never get that out of Tom King. What you got Tom King from Batman is, everything's dark and horrible. Dark. Darkness. Blacker than black. No parents. Orphan. That was a good anime. Yeah. Don't bring that into this. That was a good cartoon. <laughs> Mega rich. Kind of makes it better. You know. that That's what you get without the funny part at the end. It's just all... Oh, The main plot arc going on here is Catwoman and Batman are riding through a godforsaken desert because apparently you can't take a helicopter or something. Got to have a horse so that we can have a dramatic scene where one of their horses passes out and they have to shoot it to show how really? desperate they are. Yeah. Really? They, oh, they yeah. have a you moment? They went there within the first page. Wow. Just to show wow. how remote they were in the desert. They get to a place. It's a cave. They got to go in the cave. But there's a guy guarding the cave who says, you can't get in here. The Justice League put me here to stop them. And Batman, and, you know, not even heroes, not even you, Batman. And, and Catwoman's like, oh, let me take care of you. She's like, okay, Cat, you do it. And she goes up there, and she says, all right, this, she goes up to look at him and goes, meow. It's like, I can't let you in either. Yeah, because she had to say meow, because that's cool, I guess. Um, and then she pulls out her whip and proceeds to... You only get off screen, ah, oh, like she's being tortured from her whipping him. Okay, if a whip takes you out, you should not have been guarding whatever the Just League wanted you guarding in the first place. Fair. Just saying. I mean, Catwoman's whip can't take out Kite Man. No, no, no. Catwoman's whip could take out Kite Man. Well, yeah. True. Because whips have a supersonic crack at the end, and they're really good at whipping. <laughs> they can make up. He can mess up. She can mess up that kite. Yes, really jack up that kite. Super bad. All right. All right, she can't take out Riddler with a whip. Fair. So anyway, they're going in to this cave. All right, because there's someone he has to meet up with. It's important. He can't get married without doing this first. And so, okay, they're going through the desert. They're in an Arabian-looking land. And they're meeting up with people like about how dangerous where they're going is. And he can't get engaged until he talks to this person. Who do you think they're talking to? I knew instantly. It's supposed to be a big mystery, but it's so freaking obvious. I got nothing. Talia al Ghul. Oh, desert. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I knew it was either Rachel al Ghul or Talia al Ghul. Instantly. But they don't explain why yet. But apparently Batman can't get married without telling Tally Al Ghul for some unknown reason. Are they are they like a super secret married or something? No. He's going to get a divorce? Like, I divorce you three times and yay. Tally Al Ghul is the mother of Damian Wayne. Right. Who is Batman's child, but they didn't, like, knock boots and fall in love and have a kid. You know, she basically took his DNA and made a kid. Right. And then raised him to be an assassin to kill him. Super, I don't super see idea. why you need her permission to get married. No, you know. So what you really should do as a present to your future wife, take off her head and give it to her. Like, oh, yeah. this isn't going to happen anymore. This chick so, is toast. Here you go. Uh, so I don't get it. 
and why Tally Al Ghul is like in a cave that the Justice is protecting, so she can't go in and out or something. Also, doesn't make any damn sense to me either. I assume they're going to explain that, but my level of believability was never at the point where it made any sense. Yeah. yeah, it's just like. Uh, and on top of that, Artist Joel Jones is nowhere near as good as Michael Yannon. Michael Yannon did the arc of uh, The War of Jokes and Riddles, and he was fantastic. Uh, Joel Jones is not. He, she, I'm not sure which it is, is okay. Jones is okay. Uh, it's a more primitive style, which goes along with the uh, the harsh environment they're in. It goes with that. But after being used to Janet's style in the book, it's a pretty jarring change when it goes from well, that Jones smooth style. Woman, and she actually has the little umlaut things above the E, which yeah, changes the pronunciation to something I don't don't understand. I don't know. So anyway, Yoli, who knows? But could be Jones. Just the style is very different. It's a lot rougher. And I'm not against a rough style. And it matches with her telling kind of in the book a little bit. Uh, her, her style does clean up when she's drawing like Tally Al Ghul uh, in the cave. But still, it's nowhere near like Michael Jannon's art. It's not at that level. Uh, it lacks the nuance. It lacks the style. It lacks the setting of scenes. Um, so I just cannot get with this. I, I just, the art does not grab me. It doesn't hold me. It seems very amateurish compared to the previous artist, Michael Yannon. So that was disappointing. So what do you give it? Uh, well, that's when it gets kind of funny. It's the start to an arc, but it hasn't hooked me. I have no hook. I don't care. Um, there actually is a neat scene where it shows like all the Robins like hanging out in the Bat Mansion with uh, the Bat Dog, Ace. And there, and uh, Yeah, Ace the Bat Dog. Really? There's also a cow. There's a bat cow. Stop it. Not joking. Ugh. Not joking. Blame, blame, blame the '60s. Uh, there's a. It has the cow actually has like fur in the shape of a bat. No, no. <laughs> move on. Move on. Uh, anyway. But there's actually kind of a neat scene there where they're kind of talking to each other and like, where the hell is Batman anyway? Where is he? And well, he's a uh, and Alfred, you know. Uh, young masters, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I think it's a paramount important you know. And he basically ends up telling them, the master has become engaged with Miss Selina Kyle. And they all just sit there with their mouths hanging open. Like, wait, wait, Catwoman? That's, that's like, really bad? You know... And... No, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. master knows what he's doing. I mean, the man dresses up as a bat and brings young boys with him everywhere. I mean, well, he knows, obviously, what he's doing. <laughs> so you, you actually you, Alfred when you do it sounds like pleasure bot from, from future well, only at the Thanks. end only at the, the end really creepy he, he only went pleasure bot at the end when he started talking <laughs> with the young boys so anyway and of course you know Damien they're like oh well, how do you do this oh he's going and why is he off in this strange place you're not supposed to go to Alfred oh and Dane Wayne has a minor breakdown. Like, oh, it's my fault. I, I was there to help. Like, oh, whatever. It doesn't make any sense. And the art's crap for those scenes, too. So, just saying. Uh, I'm going to give this two and a half. It sounds like it's two nah, compared to the other one. It doesn't have any hooks with it, but I could follow yeah. the story easily. 
okay, you can follow the story. That's great. But the art was significantly worse. The art was worse than the previous artist, in my opinion. It does okay capturing the mood of the scenes, though. But I don't like it as much as the last artist. And there are times, like some scenes are badly done and some are well done. Um, I think the art feels raw. The art doesn't set scenes as well as it could. But it does a it's decent also, job. It also doesn't sound like it's consistent. Right. It looks like some panels a lot more effort were spent on. So to me, it's just a two and a half. It's it's okay. Um, some people are saying it's wonderful and so awesome. It's, I love the beginning and Talia al Ghul's there. Yay! I'm not fanboying out of her Talia al Ghul. No. Being in two panels of a book. Yeah, especially down. since the reason for her being there is super suspect. Like, yeah, what? it's like on. I don't remember anywhere where they had like a some sort of like joint custody agreement with Damien where as long as he didn't get married, he had custody. I don't remember that. I remember him like kicking her butt and saying, why did you make a kid to kill me? I remember that's what I remember. Ugh. So, yeah, two and a half. Two and a half. Damn you. Damn you, Tom King. Stop writing Batman. I did is get there, my. Is there a good one here? I is did get my wish book? that the that loser who was writing Wonder Woman left. I will not oh, mention his name. He yeah, he sucked. I'm glad he's gone. Oh, good. All right, next up and lastly, Superman number 33, Imperious Lex Part One. Get it, Imperious Rex, Imperious Lex. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because it's about words. Clever. Clever. No, it's not about words. It's about Lex Luthor. Um, for those of you who didn't know, I'll tell you later. Uh, Superman number 33 was written by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Pencils by Doug Monkey, inks by Jamie Mendoza, probably Jamie. Colors by Will Quintana, and cover by Ryan Souk. Neat cover. Yeah. Art in the book is pretty good, too. I'm not mad at it. I like it. Um, Doug Monkey's been doing the art in this book for a while now, and he can be hit or miss, but almost always he's hit. So, art's good. Nice pacing, sets up scenes well. Uh, the use of color is great. Uh, so art is really good in this book. There are a couple images, like a close-up of like when Clark Kent is smiling a couple times, where it's like, uh, it looks a little almost weird. uncanny valley yeah. weird. Yeah, actually, actually, uh, just looking at the Superman on the cover. That's I a mean, different the, artist. The bottom half of his face. That's, that's a different artist. Okay, well, that's good, because the bottom half of this guy's face looks like it's a cartoon. He has a big chin, and you're looking up at it. Yeah, but it just doesn't look. Yeah, it I don't looks know. It looks like a pill head. Yeah, I, don't know, I got nothing. But uh, Algarian had a comment uh, about uh, about the Wonder Woman writer. Uh, well, he was a man and not worthy of man hitting storylines he was writing. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. It seemed like he really wanted to show what a feminist he was by every storyline he writing, saying how evil men were, mm-hmm. and how only the purity and goodness of the Amazons could save them, even though they're not worth saving. Yeah, because uh, Algarian was co-hosting with me at that time when he, we were talking about his books. And we were both reading that series so we could both talk about it. And I think I got a little more disgusted than him. But it's just, it wasn't fun to read. You know, and uh, anyway, we're talking about Superman number 33. The uh, Greg Rucka was the, is the author we're talking about. And he's gone, thank God. But in this, uh, for those who don't know, Yes, that's Lex Luthor on the cover in a blue and red power armor suit with a big S on the front of it. Because he loves stealing stuff that's not his, apparently. Well, uh, this has actually been going on for years now. Yeah. Um, after was it for after the events of Forever Evil? Um, it was after that. But he ended up when well, Superman was gone for a while. 
he ended up building a set of power armor, and he realized that people would, like, kid, little kids would run away from him if they saw him on the street. What do you think? And everyone stared at him like he was an evil villain. He's like, I'm trying to protect you people from this alien, and everyone's afraid of me? And so what he started doing was after the events of Forever Evil, where it showed him where he actually, like, saved... After the Justice League failed to save everyone, he did. Right? Him and his uh, loose association of villains, including Bizarro, saved everyone from the... Uh, inju- not Injustice League. The uh, Anyway, the evil version of the Justice League from another dimension. Right. He saved them from them. The Syndicate. The Syndicate. So, he, after that was, like, on TV, he, like... Instead of going, uh, yes, I shall minop, I shall capitalize on this for more evil. He went, you know what? I kind of like being a hero. This is actually pretty good. And so he built a new set of power armor with the big Superman S on it. Because at the time he did that, Superman, I think when he built the armor, Superman was dead or something. Anyway, mm. so he built the armor with big Superman S and started going around protecting Metropolis. And it worked. Uh, people started liking him. People started accepting him. It took a while. It wasn't like, yay, Lex, you're great now. It was kind of like, I don't know about this guy. Why are you wearing that suit? Even Superman's like, you, you, what are you doing? It's like, I'm protecting Gotham. I'm protecting Metropolis. Like, you're not doing it. Someone has to. Uh, he actually ended up, like, that was part of a brilliant storyline where he actually ended up becoming part of the Justice League. Um, anyway. Another storyline happened. Didn't need to give the background. Uh... Where it's kind of like the New Gods storyline, and that wasn't dealing with the New Gods in DC. Anyway, but like Super became like the God of Strength. One was like the God. It was dumb. But in that storyline, Lex Luthor ended up becoming the quote-unquote God of Apocalypse after uh, Darkseid died. So all of Apocalypse looked to him as their ruler, because he was reborn in the fires of Apocalypse, and. That suited him just fine until he can get the hell out of there because Apocalypse sucks and it's full of crazy people. Yeah, it's it's a bad show. Right, so as, as soon as he can get the hell out of there, he did. Went back to Earth and started protecting Metropolis again and being questionably good. Like, it's always one of those things where it's like, you know, it's kind of like Lex Luthor shows up to your house and it's like, I don't know what this guy, look at his eye, Lex Luthor. I have brought you cupcakes. Oh, I love cupcakes. You take a bite. Is this carrot cake? Yes, they are. I hate carrot cake. Really? It's like, was he trying to be evil? He did bring cupcakes, but it's not going to hurt me, but I don't like carrot cake. You know, that's kind of literally not doing that, but, you know, as an example, you know, it's like he does something good, but also it's like, it's eh. not, it, it doesn't feel quite right. Yeah, it's like, eh, yeah. Like, I don't know about this. Which is, when this pulled off is, is great when they was written well. So the book opens with uh, some bank robbers running away. They're fleeing the police in their car. And sure. then there's As a shit. what bank robbers do. Got yeah. It. And then all of a sudden, like, they're trying to go, like, gotta go, we gotta go, get it faster. And there's a shadow that appears over the vehicle that's in the shape of, you know, like Superman. And it's like, oh, we got problems. And then another shadow appears. I think we're done. And another shadow in the shape of Superman, you know? 
the cape, big shoulders. And then you look up, and it's Lex Luthor and Superman are both like, you're like, what are you doing here? I'm fighting Crime Metropolis. What are you doing here for once? You're like, mm, you know Lex at the time. Let's just stop these guys. Make sure there's no okay. you know, Watch out for civilians, Luther. It's like it's like you're reading my mind. And so <laughs> that was awesome. That was so condescending and yeah. cool. Oh, he is. He's totally condescending. What's great is he's like he's being a hero, but the whole time he's so condescending. And he never. And he's, he doesn't call him. I think he actually calls him Kent. You know, even Gosh. out in, you know, to each other, he calls him Kent. You know, it's like he knows his secret identity when they're alone. But like when they're not alone. Wait, when they're not alone, he actually says, you know. He actually is calling Superman. There's like, there's one scene, you know, when they're about to stop the bad guys, Luther's like, no, Superman, after you, I insist. So he was like, no, Lex, you were here. I insist. Well, very well. then. And so that's when they go and, you know, they both end up like stopping the car. You know, they pull guns on Superman. He's like, and Superman has reactions like, really? Guns? I mean, I've been melting guns in people's hands for years and you still do this? He melts guns in their mouths. You know, right in their hands, like, ah! And then Luther holds out his hands and says, and, I'm, uh, and I enjoy melting people's minds from with my hands. He opens up his power gloves and zap! And they go, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And so we're like, look, like, Luthor! He's like, what? Taser? Non-lethal? Non-lethal? Not literally melting their minds? They're okay. Um, and then he, you know, Luther's thinking what a great day he's having. Goes home. And as he's, like, doing the Iron Man, Tony Stark walk, as his armor gets taken off type thing, he doesn't take off his arm, but he's like doing the walk into his Lexcorp building. All of a sudden, this big helmet gets strapped over his head, which like goes blam over his head. And he's like, ah, knocks him out. And then these crazy people from Apocalypse say, yes, it is time for him to return to fulfill his duties to Apocalypse. And poof, they mother box out. So apparently, uh, Apocalypse wants their god back. Because it actually does show some scenes where Apocalypse have, has gone into complete and total uh, civil war uh you got granny goodness fighting with her troops you got you know basically got every apocalypse every one of dark side's kids or sub generals or lieutenants or whatever yeah, yeah are all fighting for control of apocalypse sure Makes and sense. the only people that listen to are dark side or lex luthor luthor wants no part of these crazy people but no they're they're nutters man but a couple you know out, upstanding citizens of apocalypse ha, are forcibly dragging him back to be back uh, in control apocalypse is a death trap he knows that He's oh like, yeah yeah I, I can sit on the throne for three minutes and then someone's gonna stab me in the back there's nothing i can do about well, it well actually he already died once in apocalypse he apparently he can't die there from what oh, i understand really? yeah oh. well, that's different. he doesn't want to be there though it's not a pleasant oh. place it's not a pleasant place, true, but you know, for for a guy who wants to rule the world, he he doesn't want to rule it. apocalypse. They have no Froyo in apocalypse. That's true. Yeah, it's a little too warm there for Froyo. You're right. Yeah, it's a little too full of nightmare hellscapes. You know, it's a good day when the reactive winds don't kill you. So, yeah, yeah he doesn't want any part of that. The slave pens are lovely this time of year. Um, so no, no, apocalypse is horrible. No one, no one wants to live there. That's why Darkseid is trying to find the anti-life equation, so he doesn't have to live there either. <laughs> so he can make sure it doesn't that's, exist anymore. That's the real end game of the anti-life equation: wipe out the universe, but mainly apoc, mainly apocalypse. He's tired of that place. So the uh, so, uh, so wait, wait, what do you what do you call this one? I'm not even done yet. Really? There's even, more? I thought, I thought that was no, the end of the book. No, that's nothing. That's That happens really? like four pages in. Um, no. Serious. Wow. Okay. All right. So, Soup's and his family 
the Kents are all going to go out and like uh, they're going to have a family night out, go watch a film, have a good time, right? And all of a sudden, like this, you know, you know, in the Superman movie, when uh, Lex Luthor wanted to send the message to Superman, he sent over the hypersonic frequency. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does that. Okay. There's a message that says, says Kryptonian. This is Lex Luthor. If you're hearing this message, I need to speak with you immediately. Please come to the 33rd floor of the LexCorp building. And, you know, John, his son, and him are both like, ah, ooh, ah, ah. But it's like, what's going on? Ah, it's a message for Lex Luthor. And John, Superboy, is saying, yeah, he wants Dad to meet him on this building. He's like, you know, Luthor can freaking wait. Last time he did this, he wanted me to check out the new LEDs on behind his, the S in his armor. No, no, no. No. What? We're, we're going to a movie. I'm not dealing with Lex again today. So they go to a movie. They had a good time. They, when they leave the movie, you know, they're walking home. In a DC book, never leave a movie. No, no. Or Nothing theater good of happens. any kind. Yeah, no, never. Never go to any movies or theaters. No theaters. Nope. But as they're on their way home through the park, all of a sudden, like, these Lexbots show up. And they land in front of them, or land all around the family. And, you know, a message says this. And the bots basically say this is a pre-recorded message. They cannot send or transmit anything, and it is set to only give out the information to the Kryptonian. These, these bots have been keyed to Kryptonian DNA and have tracked you this position. Since you, and basically, said, basically, the message is, since you didn't come to when I called you, I'm going to you, jerk. If you're hearing this message, I'm screwed, and I need you to come with these robots to save me. Uh-huh. Uh, let me think. Pass. And Superman gives a response like, you know, I don't want any part of this. And the robot's like, Sim- uh, respond, yes or no. This this model cannot understand complex commands. Yes or no. He just looks at it. No. Then says, well, this is unfortunate, but we're going to have to take you against your will. And so the bots all start, like, surrounding them, trying to, like, set up, like, they start glowing and, like, doing stuff. Like, ah, oh, fight the boss. They start fighting them. Lois is like, oh, no, they surrounded us. Um, And they destroy the robots but without realizing that oh the robots were a distraction the the big thing was actually already set up and it poofs it boom tubes them essentially to where Lex Luthor is because Lex Luthor is not an idiot he knew that if all of them yes because they were including all together Lois. yes including Lois Lois it, is on Apocalypse yes and she's dead yeah not instantly oh, she's cagey enough. she's cagey she'll be alright she has a stun gun and a supernatural thirst for knowledge. Shut up. That's her superpower. Um, so they... the uh, They get boom-tubed out, but because the machine wasn't designed to take out you know, three people, like they end up like split up through the transfer to Apocalypse. And so you see Superboy, Superman, and Lois all in different parts. Like the background of uh, Lois Lane, you see Granny Goodness and her goons... And the background is Superman. I think you see the slave pits. Um, what does Superboy get? Oh, it looks like a bunch of giant wolves. Mm. Yeah, those giant metal wolves. Uh, what's that guy's name? But anyway, it doesn't look good for any of them. Because Luther is smart enough to know that if someone's able to capture him and take him somewhere, you know, make sure you have a fail safe. And who are you going to call? He's going to call Superman. Because... If someone could take out Lex, he's going to need Superman-level help. And he also had a failsafe in case Superman decided to say, no, I'm not helping your dumbass. 
because he's because that was very likely because he's pragmatic about these things. He knows they're not friends, but he knows the odds. He knows that, but he's also smart to know that if he actually did that, Superman would still save him and just be mad at him. So you know he's right. Superman will save him. He's going to save his family first, but Lex didn't know that was going to happen. If Superman had just showed up to the building like he asked, that it wouldn't have happened. Just saying. Yeah, it's all his fault, sure. It's not his fault. No, I'm not saying it is. Because, you know, Lex should have put smarter Lex bots out. You know. So, uh... Or just, or just realize that Superman would not consider him a high priority at any point in time. Like, I, 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 would, I would rather take an uncomfortable deuce than, than go help Lex <laughs> Luthor. <laughs> Uh, Lex and Superman have a currently in the comic continuity Lex and Supes have a contentious relationship but they actually do have a mutual respect for each other so it's interesting but like I said Lex is still you know just that little bit evil you know that look I got you this fresh froyo with sprinkles I hate sprinkles oh that's too bad I didn't know that I guess I'll have this froyo it's your favorite flavor. Pity about the sprinkles. Damn you, Luther! You know, it's it's not evil, but it's just, oh, you know. So I really enjoyed this book. The art's solid. It does well. There's a couple times hit the Uncanny Valley. Um, I like this setup. It, hook, it had hooks into me where I was like, oh, what happens next? Like, when you're taking Luther to Apocalypse by page five, I want to see what else is going on. You know. There has to be a lot. And, because that, that's the end of the book time. Yes. And also, this is a great call to a previous storyline, which they could have just left in the dust and forgotten about, and they didn't. They brought it back to make it relevant again. And so I really enjoyed it. I really want to know what happens. So this book does what the other two books did wrong. It does right what they did wrong. It's easy to follow. Consistent storyline. Great hooks in it. The art works really well. The writing makes sense. The people talk like people. Uh, so yeah, uh, really enjoyed this book. I'm going to give it a high rating just because I think it's really interesting where it's going. So it's going to get four stars. Okay. So that's four stars. Super end number 33. Part of that, uh, part of those stars is hopefulness. <laughs> Duncan Ito. <laughs> Look, Superman, I knew we were out of milk. So I picked up some milk. It's skim. Ah, Luther. Luther, I, I drink whole milk. I'm a farmer. Oh, <laughs> I'm helping you watch your waistline. Wait, that's not, no. that's actually really insulting when you say it like that. <laughs> Am I getting fat? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's Garthon's comic pool. Thank you very much. All right, if you want more Garthon, you can check out my team-ups on the YouTubes of Star Trek Online, and we're starting Secret World Legends. That's been fun that's so right. far. Um, yeah. That wasn't me. And you can also check out my stream Sunday at 9 p.m. Central, 10 Eastern. Well, I had technical difficulties last week, but this week, continuing with the Banner Saga. Things have gone straight to hell, but that's what this game does. It hasn't crushed my soul yet. But, but, but it, it might. You in the ding -ding. But it might. Just wait. You might see me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait. Uh, Legion of Myth, watching their host souls get crushed since 2016. <laughs> Favorite time ever. Alright, so thank you very much, everyone. And now it's time for RNG. Where we talk about random things that came across our minds. And this week, we're going to talk about... 
What were we going to talk about? We had something. Secret World Legends. Secret World Legends. Yeah, this this is a game that uh, that Garthon turned me on. Uh, turned me on too. Sorry, <laughs> that sounded weird. Sorry about that. <laughs> Garthon turned me on too. Uh, we we needed something while while the Star Trek Online Foundry was still down, which is what like 19 days now. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a well, while. Well, it was so we down, something. then it was like kind of coming up, but not yeah, kind really. Of up and then <laughs> crapper again. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. So uh, we need we need something to. Uh, to fill our days because we need to talk to each other and we have to have a reason for that because we just can't call each other and say, Hey, what? well, I, I have Asperger's. So actually I literally can't do, well, I can, yeah, but you literally can't do that. We have to have a reason for talking. That's right. So, uh, it's playing the game and this, this game is pretty cool, especially in the time of year, because it is, uh, it is a supernatural horror genre type, uh, type MMO RPG. So figure, Hey, why not? It'd be cool. And, uh, all the people are Japanese. <laughs> well, our characters are for some reason. Yeah. For, no, that, that was the default character is Japanese. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I don't know why. Probably because it's a Japanese game. But it, that was Actually, it. it's not a so, Japanese game. Uh, it was developed by Funcom, which is uh, up Finland? I think it's Finland. Finland? Then why aren't I a Nordic god? god. Make yourself a Nordic god. Just because yeah. that's already you in real life. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the, uh, the the whole the whole thing uh, goes around uh, some for some reason a bee got in my mouth and now I can do magic I don't know well that's I, I all didn't I didn't well, get it well that's uh, you have to think about that that's more that's symbolism a bee got in my mouth that's yes. symbolism yes it is yeah I didn't get it I don't get it but uh, then, <laughs> and then then I started to have magical powers it took me about a you know, four or five days to get a handle on it so I don't wreck my apartment or anyone around me. And then I got visited by a member of a secret society, and they told me, here, if, if you want to learn about how your power works and stuff like that, come here. If you don't, hey, that's fine. It's up to you. But other people will hunt you down and skin you for whatever reason. So your choice, though. Yeah. So rather than be hunted down and skinned, I went to go see the secret society, and they recruited me and taught me how to use my powers, and now I fight evil. And the very first thing we fight, zombies. zombies. Yeah. Uh, and it's the setting is... Uh... The settings they show are great, great ambiance, mm. some really nice cutscenes talking to people, especially so oh, the God, game no, is no, actually the, a few the, years no, old. No, stop. You, I cannot stress these cutscenes enough. The, the, as these uh, cutscenes are, are long for cutscenes. They are long, but they're well acted, they're well voiced, and they're, they're well written. So you're, you're watching it like, wow, I really want to see the end of this. Right. Secret it's World great. Legends is a reintroduction of, the secret, of secret World. Uh, Secret World Legends is now free to play. Uh, we haven't dumped any money into it. I actually nope. purchased the original box game, so I think I have some extra perks. I'm not sure what they are. Um, nothing that's really shown up to make the, anything game breaking. But there's a pretty good diversity of powers and talents. It's, not, it's, not, it's definitely not your typical RPG um, or MMO. The uh, settings are nice and creepy. Like right now, we're in a New England setting that really feels like a New England town. And Yo, it is super claw. creepy. Backlaw. Wicked, wicked awesome. Yeah, so it's just really well set out. I've actually, because I'd played the game previously, not too far, but the stories just get better and better and better. And so I'm really looking forward to playing through more of this. And so we just want to talk about, say, we're starting this up. It's a great game to check out. It's free. You can check it out for a bit. Uh, wait till you're out of the tutorial zone to judge it, like with any game. 
Um, but the, the tutorial wasn't bad. I it's mean, no, the tutorial's not bad. It used yeah. to be a lot, lot longer. Yeah, it's, it's not um, very long, and uh, the uh, from, from excuse me, from what Garthon says, that uh, the the actual gameplay was a lot more dangerous before. Yes, it was. But also, so you can solo it with with moderate difficulty if you right. wanted to. So that's great. But we're but playing together, which makes it pretty easy. If you have a teammate, it goes really easy. Yeah, especially because, uh, well, neither of us have any healing powers, really. No. But uh, Heathen Dog is running magic, and I'm running guns. Yeah, he's got he's got double nine mils and a and shotgun. A shotgun. Where you got, I got chaos magic and lightning bolts. Yes, I got. which is pretty cool. So we melt things down pretty quick together. Yeah. But right now we're just fighting low-level zombies and some weird drog things and some Cthulhu-looking woogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woogie-woogie, Cthulhu-esque. Like, love, love, crafty Things coming nonsense. in from the sea that yeah. came back. So... Great stuff. Um, the game also has... No, no, has, no, don't play anymore. I'm not saying... I'm saying, saying the game also has some great... Not everything is combat in the game. There's great puzzle elements. Yes. Um, so there's actually... We're not we haven't, hard puzzles so far. Well, we fair. haven't got... I think they've actually simplified some of the puzzles because some used to be just insanely hard. But we'll see when we get further in what we find. But yeah. the game actually has like an in-game internet browser. So you don't have to leave the game to browse the internet to look up answers to stuff. Because sometimes it'd be yeah. like, you'll need Morse code. Like, crap, so you look up Morse code. I don't know what Morse code is. Like, okay, here you go. Yeah, so you look it up. Uh, Duncan Iowa says, are there any character creation device? Play whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah. It, does, that, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh... In the they're, original they're... Secret World, you could, uh, before it came Legends, you could actually nerf yourself if you didn't know what you were doing. Uh, they've actually fixed it so unless you tried to, you can't hurt yourself too bad. If you want to play a character who uses only guns, you can do it. If you want to play a mage, if you want to play a healer, um, it's pretty obvious what you got to do is set it up. And there are preset builds they offer as well. Yes, yes. If you want to be like, uh, say, I want to be a, a super damage dealer, they have a super damage deal preset build. And you can you can look at that and go, okay, I want to tweak it a little bit because I'd like to do this too. You Then you can, you know, you, but they, they have a build for you to, you know, just plug and play. Yep. And then you can play. Uh, right now, there's one server, so you don't have to choose a server. Uh, Heathen Dog and I are Templars. Yes. Because I chose but first. But there's, there's Templars, Illuminati. And Dragon. And Dragon, yeah. Uh, the, all the, the three secret societies. Yep. Or is it Illuminati? No, it's, yeah, it's Dragon. Not, the Illuminati's there, but they're all bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Which they should be, because they're the Illuminati. Chris, you can argue the Templars should be bad guys to you. You could argue the dragons should be bad guys. You could. Yeah, well, you everyone could argue. should be bad guys because they're a secret society. They're supposed to be bad. Right, and actually, you're protecting the earth from forces of chaos and evil. But then again, none of these societies yeah, I, are I actually use chaos magic. So, well, also the secret societies should never. They actually do a good job with the in-game writing of the stories, and none of the societies are ever shown as they are good. Yeah. It's like they're, they're, just, they're a faction who is against what's happening. Yeah. They'd like to dominate the world, but this is happening. So no one's ever truly good or truly evil, except like the evil chaos boogies. They're truly evil. Yeah, but, they're, they're super bad. But people, there's a really... They're gray. Yeah, they're um, all gray. I was thinking the actor who does Wayun. Um, Jeffrey Combs. Yes. He actually does awesome. a really awesome character we'll run into later. Really? Yes. Cool. They got a lot of like celebrity voice talent here, and it's really awesome. So I'm looking forward to running cool. into that. Um so yeah, if you want to make a character, play what you like. Um, they've done a great job of balancing the build, so there's nothing that'll really hurt you. And if it does, just choose a different weapon later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's that's the really cool thing. Like, I I chose elemental magic and chaos magic as my main forms of combat, but with the uh, with the experience system, 
I could show I could choose to skill up in say weapons, guns. Mm-hmm. I could choose to skill up in that and then change my primary weapon to a gun. Yep. That's fine. And then, then I can use the magic thing as a fallback or a backup or whatever, you know, depending on a boss or whatever. You know, you uh during the game, you're not locked into your your beginning primary and, and secondary say uh uh classes i guess because it's all skill based so during your gameplay you can skill up somewhere else and it'll never stop you yep so definitely recommend checking it out uh or not you can watch our streams and see if you want to check it out it starts monday 8 a.m to 8 a.m eastern just like uh just like our star trek ones are dropping just like our star trek foundry uh team ups but uh yeah we've got uh we got three in the bag already and we'll have uh probably Probably at least soon uh, seven to nine days at least of this gameplay, depending on if people like it or not. Yep, yep. All right, so moving on. Uh, actually, that this is where we're at. This is to the end. Do you have anything else yeah. you want to talk about? No, this is good. I got this. All it's right, nice. this is nice. I feel like I have like a hair on me. <laughs> anyway, uh, so thank you everyone for watching. If you want, you could like, subscribe, or comment on this. Uh, check us out uh, as we stream on Twitch TV slash you can see our videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Legion of Myth underscore page. On Reddit, on Facebook, just look for Legion of Myth. You can tweet us at Legion of Myth. We will respond to you. Maybe. Uh, we're pretty pretty good on Twitter. Uh, check us out on Facebook Messenger and our Steam group. SteamCommunity.com slash group slash Legion of Myth. Can you get... Secret World is available through Steam, right? It is, yes. Yeah, so hey, you can do that too. The audio version of this is available through SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, or fine audio podcast aggregators everywhere. That's right. It is. If you want to support the Legion of Myth, you can do so through a Twitch streaming subscription at twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth, a Patreon subscription at patreon.com slash Legion of Myth, through Streamlabs, twitch.streamlabs.com slash Legion of Myth, directly through PayPal at paypal.me slash Legion of Myth, or get our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth. Thanks, Lagarian. Good to see you. And always remember to check out Max Leo Noro playing. Max streams Tuesdays and Fridays, but that schedule will probably be changing in the future due to work concerns. Uh, so Tuesdays might be going away. Uh, currently streaming uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. It's been a lot of fun. And upcoming uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 in November. Yes, he, he played a little bit of the beta, and uh, then he'll play some of the Thanks actual release. Yeah. Uh, also, you check out Noro playing Noro's Arty Party, uh, 1900s Central European time, on Wednesdays. Watch everyone's favorite tanker destroy the stupid. And tell them that, because yes. they are. They then they should know. They should know that. Knowledge is power. I agree. As always, thank you very much to our top subscribers. Hicks206, Red Specs Gaming, uh, Sheris, Elgarian, Baldahar, Erwin Rommel, The Cool's Harem, The Magical Cat Girl Fanboy, Spectral Fire, The Level 99 Cat Girl Armor Lover, Heathen Dawn, and Alan51. Thank you, everyone, for making this happen. Any final words of wisdom, Heathen Dawn? Uh, in this uh, Halloween season that's coming up, make sure not to bite in any razors. Stay safe. Unless that's what you're into, kids. No, you shouldn't be into that. Don't be into that. Do not be be into that. that. Do not do that. Thank you, everyone, so much. Remember, everyone, you have one life. Live it well. Live it nerdy. 
and have a great journal and novel.